Hello, and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Matt, and I would kill you both right now if I did not have to drag your bodies. Like, my name's Jamie, and I'm tired of being paid for this job, too, but not that tired. What, what is that from? It's Cad Bane. Ah, that makes sense. All right. Um, so this week we are still doing the 2003 Tartavoski Clone Wars. Uh, today we'll be talking about chapters 11 through 20, or as it's referred to, um, season two, um, which originally aired on March 26, 2004, through April 8, 2004. Um, but before we do that, we start off every week by talking about what Star Wars we did. So. Um, Jamie, did you do any Star Wars this week? Nothing whatsoever, which is surprising. Other than watch these? Yep. And think about it a lot. Well, that counts. Um, yeah, we, we talked that we're going to keep this intro short because we've got a lot of ground to cover today. Um, I did I did a little bit this week. I finished the High Republic audio play uh, about Lorna D. Um, I don't want to talk about it too much because... Um, spoilers and stuff, but it's not my favorite uh, High Republic piece, but I liked it. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it had some good parts to it. It wasn't, you know, I'm still kind of like I'm not sure if I really liked it or not, but um, it had some cool stuff in it. And then just on a whim, I I got the Essential Legends audiobook for Rogue Squadron, and I started that today. Um, it's sort of a post uh, Return of the Jedi. Um, New Republic fighter squad book. I'm only a couple chapters into it. It's good so far. I, I want to do a little bit more legend stuff. I know. I know we. I didn't do a lot of legend stuff when it was current. Um, I was in college and busy. Um, might be fun to go back and do some of that. Some of that stuff now. Like when we went to the party, you're busy. Like when we went to that party and you and I decided to drink a whole pitcher of Bud Light and then you spewed everywhere. Yeah, like that. That kind of busy? Yeah, like that kind of busy. <laughs> um, I don't even remember you being there. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's about it for me uh, from a Star Wars activity uh, this week. Um, if there's nothing else to talk about, we should probably just get into our show review because we've got a lot of ground to cover. Yeah, okay. At the top, I just want to sort of talk about the Clone Wars series, because we're only doing these over, over a couple of weeks. And I do want to say that uh, last week I said it, it wasn't popular when it first started out, because it was sort of a weird format and everything. But I do, I do want to point out that the show was critically acclaimed and became quite popular over, over its run, over the three seasons, quote-unquote seasons. And we're about three months... Sorry, we're we're almost six months after the first airing of the first series now, and um, both the first season and the second season, and then eventually the third season um, would win an Emmy for outstanding animated program. And and because of the format it was released in, it's technically the first online series to win an Emmy award. Yeah, I was just thinking that. That's pretty cool. And so um, IGN, which take it or leave it, um, still ranks this series as the 21st greatest animated series of all time. And so from a critical point of view, 
I don't know what the overall Star Wars fan awareness of this show is. Being on Disney Plus certainly helps, but it's it was one of those things that only had a few home video releases, and you could watch it on YouTube, and no one was stopping anyone from streaming it on YouTube, so you could tell how how protective they were of this IP. Um, so it was it was critically acclaimed, but I don't know how much awareness Star Wars fans have of this. Um, so I hope people are watching along with us and appreciating it. The cast is really interesting, too. We're going to continue to highlight the cast as we go along. Just a few people today. Um, Gray Griffin, um, she's the voice of Ventress and Padme and Shakti in the series, but she's been in everything, including up to Bad Batch. She played um, the snooty protocol droid in Bad Batch um, that was um, on Raxus, the one that mm-hmm. like cared about that base a lot. She's been in Rebels and Resistance and every Lego Star Wars cartoon thing you can think of, and she has thousands of credits. She's been, she's in the new He-Man, she's in Scooby-Doo's, Curious George, DuckTales, every single Batman series you can imagine. Um, she's in everything, so uh, look her up. She's in Scale, or Greg Griffin. She's a, a very prolific actor. I want to talk about Matt Lucas, too. Uh, Matt Lucas is sort of interesting as far as the cast. He apparently was a voice double for Hayden Christensen um, and because he sounded so much like him, they could sort of slot him in to hear like tone and things for audio recordings. And he started doing the voice of Anakin in video games and, and shows, and he's the voice of Anakin in this show. Um, but when when I looked him up, he hasn't done much except it's clear that he wants to continue acting. But um, moving forward, the role of Anakin was taken over by a different Matt, Matt Lanter, in the series that we all know. Um, So I'm not sure what happened there, um, but Matt Lucas, pretty much only Star Wars credit are these episodes um, and a couple video game appearances. And the last actor I want to talk about today is a man by the name of uh, Tom Kane. And Tom Kane um, does the voice of Yoda, as well as a few other um, voices in this cartoon. But he's a really prolific Star Wars actor. Um, he typically does um, Akbar and Yularen and Qui-Gon Jinn and things. He has um, hundreds of credits just inside Star Wars. His earliest credit was in X-Wing vs. TIE Fighter in 1996, where he played the voices of the Imperial officers. Um, on the TIE Fighter side. That is a video game I played when I was a kid. I love that game. Sad news is that um, he recently suffered a stroke um, in late 2020, and um, this stroke sort of forced him to retire as a voice actor. Um, His daughter has written a little bit about his struggles since his um, stroke, about how he has trouble reading and... Um, other things and how it sort of wrecked his life. Just wanted to highlight him um, today and thank him for all the work he's done over the years in Star Wars. Um, look him up, uh, Tom Kane. I'm sure you've heard his voice and not realized it throughout the yeah. um, pantheon of Star Wars work he's done. Yeah, his his, his name is definitely familiar. And so just because uh, I wasn't, sh- I, I, wa- I wasn't sure uh i went to the ign page and this list is bullshit because 
while you know yeah it's 21 out of you know 100 you know the um the the canon one is only at 90 or 89 and there's tons of ones that are before it that are just completely awful and and i just knew knew that fucking cowboy bebop would somehow be you know near the uh top of the list <laughs> i don't know why everybody loves that fucking cartoon i hate it <laughs> but yeah this this list is bullshit but it's nice to see that it you know that, that uh this uh this version of the Clone Wars is ranked high, even though I don't really. It's it's sandwiched in between Justice League Unlimited and the real Ghostbusters, not the Ghostbusters that had the big gorilla cartoon that had the big gorilla in it. Yeah, I, still, I should look up what the IP situation was there because I can't believe there are two Ghostbusters at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, thanks for looking that up. Um, I did. I did say take it or leave it. It's IGN, but uh, I'll, yeah, I'm definitely going to leave it. <laughs> the recognition is still recognition, though, um, mm-hmm. and so um, it's a bullshit list. But this show did win three Emmys for outstanding, um, outstanding animated series, and the artists, so several artists, won awards for this show too. So it's not. I'm not going by IGN's argument from authority here uh, that Cowboy Bebop is the end-all be-all of cartoons um it's just i just wanted to point out that that it was critically acclaimed and still is critically acclaimed fucking gi joe beat it out (laughs) that is holy cow where you know they don't even bother to like color stuff in half the time and all the okay we got a lot to go through so (laughs) i'm gonna shut this tab because i'm just gonna get angrier and angrier all right so let's go on to the chapters uh so today we're doing chapter 11 through 20 so when we left when we left when we last left off anakin and ventress were sort of charging at each other with their starfighters and shooting and so we open up chapter 11 and they're still in the dogfight between anakin and ventress above the planet of Munilinst. um anakin manages to score a hit against the fighter but he's quickly damaged it's clear that they're pretty equally matched. Um, once again, this is the same pace, so it's quite frantic. It's hard to tell what's going on exactly, but they're fighting very quickly. So the fighter draws Anakin down toward the surface of the planet, and soon the two are flying through the capital city, immunalists shooting at each other. There's a great sort of slapsticky scene here, or I don't know, I don't know how to put it, but the the fighter flies by Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan says, that's not one of ours. And then Anakin flies <laughs> by, and then Obi-Wan says, that's Anakin. And so Obi-Wan gets on the horn and starts talking to Anakin, um, telling him that he was supposed to be leading the orbital battle. And Anakin just keeps telling Obi-Wan, it's under control, it's under control. Yeah, I, I gotta wonder if, like, they... If they had just, like, not, like, yelled at Anakin... If he hadn't, like, yelled at Anakin all the time, just be like... Like Anakin, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, that's your. You know, instead of just you know screaming at him, what he's supposed to do, just do the you know kind of the kind of a quasi Jedi Socratic method, where like, aren't you supposed to be doing something? Yeah, <laughs> it's in space. <laughs> hint, hint. You're in the city now. I'm in the city too. We were supposed to divide. Where are you supposed to be? Are we trading places? <laughs> 
So Anakin and Obi-Wan just continue to argue where Anakin needs to be. Um, Anakin is chasing the fighter uh, through the city. The fighter goes back up into space and starts to jump into hyperspace. Obi-Wan gives him a direct order to not jump into hyperspace. Anakin says uh, his signal's breaking up, and then he jumps into hyperspace. Obi-Wan orders the clones to send a squad to follow him. Obi-Wan now joins the I've Got a Bad Feeling About This club at the end of this chapter. Um, I do want to point out one quick thing here. Um, apparently tracking people through hyperspace in this version is no big deal. Yeah, I, I, I noticed that too. They knew exactly where they were going, and um, that's not how hyperspace works in any other Star Wars property as far as I know. Uh, well, uh, it works in The Last Jedi. Yeah, that's a supercomputer calculating it, though. Um, not like... Actually, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, I'm right. Um, <laughs> in this one, they just know, right? He says, like, do you have the coordinates? And they have the coordinates. And then he turns to the clones, which are on the surface of the planet. And they say, do you have the coordinates? And so they're either, like, hacking each other's computers or they can do some sort of calculation quickly. Um, all right, so chapter 12. Now we're on the planet of Nantooine. Uh, we open on a farm with windmills and a boy dressed like Luke at the beginning of A New Hope with this floppy Gilligan sailor's hat. And oh, I'm so glad you noticed this. Yeah, and uh, his quad knocks and everything. Uh, and the boy's name, has a name, is Paxi Silo. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I like that name, but he's apparently not in anything else. Um, he looks over a hill onto a huge battle between mostly super battle droids and clones. And super battle droids are the big upper body looking ones. You see a purple lightsaber cutting through and destroying some droids. We reveal it's Mace Windu. And he's cutting up an army of droids. And this makes sense because in the previous chapters, um, Palpatine, Palpatine said that Mace Windu was on Dantooine. So Mace Windu is cutting up an army of droids. There's lots of continuous action here. All of a sudden the droids stop firing while a giant angular ship hovers over the battlefield. The entire ship is just a single piston that slams into the ground. I'm smashing everything beneath it and creating this wave of sand and a crater. And I, the name of this vehicle is called the Seismic Tank. This is a cool idea. It, I mean, I don't know if it really makes a whole lot of sense tactically or anything like that, but it's just a kind of a cool concept. I, I think so. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, so this the concept of this tank is um, sort of terrifying to me. Uh, because it's so slow moving and it's so devastating when it goes off and there's just a ton of collateral damage. It's the type of weapon you use when you don't care what happens to your own troops, let alone your enemy's troops. Mm -hmm. um, but I love the concept of it. So this thing smashes its piston down onto the ground, creates this wave of sand, Mace jumps out of the first one, and now everybody's shooting at the ship. Doesn't appear to have any effect on it. Cool shot, though, with thousands of blasters going off toward the ship. It shows that it's being piloted by these B-1 battle droids, and it slams the piston down again. It moved to the moved to another section of the battlefield slowly, and this time it knocked Windu down, and it knocked his lightsaber out of his hand, and it's lost in the sand. Um, chapter 3. Now the unarmed Master Windu is surrounded by super battle droids, and he sort of uses the force to send them flying. And he takes out a dozen more in hand-to-hand -hand combat. This is where not showing us the whole battlefield makes a lot of sense. 
but he's like surrounded in a perfect circle with these things and he basically makes a sweeping motion with his hand and they all go flying backward and then he just starts punching them and yeah keeps going it, uh, it sounds like they use like a pinball uh like some pinball sound effects yeah when he's destroying them yeah so the piston goes off again destroying more of the battlefield and windu decides that he needs to make a run for the ship he does all this like acrobatics he's doing like spins and rolls in the air and he's using the force to sort of fight his way through the army of droids to get there he uses the force to crush some and then he uses the debris as sort of like a spray of bullets to destroy another bunch i really like that scene yeah he does one cool thing that i wish i wish they would do more of in star wars he uses the force to completely just like disassemble one. Oh right all the bolts come out <laughs> yeah it's just like all of a sudden it's just all the bolts come out and you just see it just kind of expanded like like how it would be if it was like kind of taken apart, but just kind of exp- all the parts expanded, like in an engineering the, diagram. <laughs> yeah, and that's the debris that he uses to to launch at uh, at the others. It's just a really cool concept that I would love to see. You know, like like such precision with the force. You know, like a, a force user like taking you know somebody in like a like a like a Tie Fighter or something, and then just forcing the pilot to eject something yeah. like that. Yeah, there's a. Did you ever read Race Race to Crash Point Tower? No. Yeah. So in that in that little High Republic book, mild spoilers. Um, the Jedi in that, the Padawan in that, his Jedi power. You know how they all see the Force differently. Like, um, Avar sees it as a song, and Briaga sees it as like a forest, and blah blah blah. Um, mm-hmm. The Jedi, the Padawan in that book, sees the Force as a mechanical thing and uses the Force to, like, rewire um, equipment and fix speeders and things. And so there's, like, a scene where they're being chased and he's, where they're reaching out with the Force and, like, causing the other engines to stall and things. Um, wow, that's cool. Yeah, I thought that was a good concept for a Force user. So he uses the Force to crush the, the bullets. Um, the piston goes off again, and Windu sees his lightsaber in the wave of sand. So he reaches out and recovers it, and he flies up to the ship, cutting through the hole and quickly taking over the ship. Uh, it's very good B-1, B-1 battle droid. I think something's going wrong, sort of ineptitude. Um, as he crashes the ship into the ground. You know, this is um, now. This is just kind of a typical Star Wars thing, but something that I would like to see addressed, you know, in the future, um, whether it's through High Republic or something else, is that why do droids just talk like normal people? Why don't they just like communicate wirelessly? You know, like why do they have to? Um, why do they have to vocalize anything? Yeah, you know, like like some sort of restriction that they're, you know, everybody's too afraid that like if they're like networked together, or they they had the ability to just you know wirelessly communicate, there would be big trouble. You know, maybe there's some sort of Star Wars version of a Butlerian Jihad, you know, like from Dune. Yeah. Maybe. So that's just something that I always just it's like it's like when C three PO says he forgot. You know, it's like you're a robot. You can't forget. Right. Maybe there's like Isaac Asimov's laws of robotics in their universe, and the, the ro- robots have to be imperfect in certain ways. Mm-hmm. That would make sense. Um, all right, so the ship crashes into the ground. Windu flies up 
to the hill where Paxi Silo is watching the battle. The boy is very happy to see him. Um, Windu sort of holsters his lightsaber, and the boy offers him a drink of water, I assume. Uh, <laughs> it's liquor. Well, I have, I have in the notes it's water, and when I saw it, I was like, I don't know, it's water. <laughs> Probably because I have a beer in front of me. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> he's actually one of the outsiders, so it's, uh, it's liquor. <laughs> Windu accepts the bottle, um, takes a drink, and then jumps back down into the battle. Um, and it does occur to me at this point that Paxi does have the high ground. Yeah, he, it was actually, you know, maybe it was liquor because he needed a little uh, confidence boost before going into battle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, calling Dr. Daniels, Dr. Jack Daniels. <laughs> All right, chapter 14. Um, now we cut to Ilum, where Luminara and Barris are in the temple, and Barris is assembling her lightsaber. Luminara has this great piece of exposition talking about what the lightsaber represents and the Jedi's relationship with them. And all the pieces are sort of floating around the room and it's coming together into a single machine and Barris ignites the blade. Um, There are these little spider droids outside. All of a sudden, Luminara says, the temple's been breached. And they sort of show like a pan upshot. And there's just tons of these droids and they've completely covered the walls and explosives um so nice job sensing that danger so at this point you see all the explosives on the wall walls and the droids and then the droids all disappear because they have some sort of cloaking device on them luminara and barris fight some of the droids as they appear they're blocking blaster bolts using the force to destroy them the temple's being damaged the Jedi are pulling the explosives off the walls and putting them on the droids using the Force. But eventually, explosives do go off, and it causes the temple to cave in. Luminara and Barris use the Force to sort of prevent the cave-in from crushing them. I think this is a really great scene, um, because Luminara sort of sits calmly on the floor, and Barris is a little bit more panicked. And when she sees her master, she sits down calmly on the floor. Yeah, it's, it's very much like uh, how in Episode 1... When uh, Qui-Gon and Maul are split via the whatever those laser barrier things were, yeah. while Maul is stalking around like an animal, Qui-Gon just turns off his lightsaber and, and goes to meditate. Yeah, I love that scene. I think they're radiation shields or something, but yeah, who knows what they're actually for. The, the plot devices. Yeah, they're plot devices. Um, so as Barris and Luminara calmly sit under the pile of rubble, we cut to a Naboo cruiser. And Yoda senses that Luminar and Barris are in trouble and says they must go to Ilum. All right, chapter 15. Captain Typho, this is the guy with the patch eye that replaces Quarsh, um, he protests that they are not a rescue ship and they already have a mission and they're not going to Ilum. Yoda then uses a Jedi mind trick to make Typho agree with him uh, that they need to go to Ilum to rescue the Jedi. Um, Padme finds this violation of free will entertaining (laughs) yeah it's kind of disturbing a little bit it's very disturbing Uh, she finds it entertaining and orders them to go to typhon yeah do do, uh do like teenage jedis be like you will buy me beer yeah exactly (laughs) i'm gonna say i I could get you kids some beer Um, yeah, so Padme orders the ship to Ilum. C-3PO complains about this for no reason. Um, so the ship lands on the snowy planet of Ilum. Um, Yoda walks down sort of the plank 
out of the ship in an outfit that doesn't look warm enough. Um, but Padme asks if she can go with Yoda, and she has a cute winter outfit for some reason. Yeah, little snow bunny outfit. Yeah, it's really it's really crazy. Um, but it 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 fits the animation style and it fits her personality. Yoda says that he will call her if he needs assistance. And I don't know how many times you watched this. I watched it three times. Every single time, when I got to this point, I could not get over the facial expressions Yoda's making. Yeah, I noticed that he's like, "All right, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, if I if I run into trouble, I'll, I'll call you." I don't get what he's doing here, except I think he doesn't want them to know where the temple is. I think that's the whole point of not taking her along. Really, I I, I took it more as like it's not really her. You know, he doesn't want to put her in danger. And, you know, because she's just, um, she's a senator, he's a Jedi master. And then, but she wants to help, and he's like, all right, well, you know, like, if I run into trouble, I'll give you a call. You know, it's like... He, seem, he it, seems worried, and then annoyed, and then resigned. Just, like, giving her busy work, you know, it's like, okay, you can help, you know, if... you know, I need you to you count know, like, all of these beans by the time I get back. <laughs> yeah, if, there, if there's a war, blow this whistle, you know. <laughs> All right. Like, here, I've got a ball, and then she bounces off her foot. Oh, got away from you. <laughs> so Yoda goes off by himself, and all of a sudden he senses something and starts cutting up invisible droids. And as he's cutting them, they become visible. There are dozens of them surrounding him, and he just runs through, cutting off their legs and deflecting their blasts. Eventually, he causes an avalanche to destroy a huge group of them, and simultaneously to this, he arrives at the temple. Yoda walks through the big front door of the temple. He sees that it's been mostly destroyed. Um, there's Kaven, and he starts to move the rubble with the Force. All right, why don't you finish it off? Okay, so next chapter... So uh, Padme is looking through the snow, and she's worried about Yoda. Typho, C-3PO, and R2-D2 discuss whether they should go after Yoda. Typho says that he'll check the comms, and Padme orders C-3PO and R2 to go with her to find Yoda, since R2's sensors work in the cold. And uh, quickly they're attacked by these uh, these invisible uh, or cloaked uh, droids. So Padme does a trick where she throws out her coat, droid shoots at the coat, and then she shoots the droid. You know, like showing how much she really gives a crap about uh, C-3PO. She's like, hey, 3PO, go get my coat. So <laughs> she uses uh, C-3PO as bait for, to uh, to find the other droids. And then she, uh, you know, she throws a, um, well, not a thermal detonator, but some sort of explosive, which, uh, you know, destroys the other two droids and magically not C-3PO. And then C-3PO is just uh, laying there covered in snow. And she's just like, oh, thanks. And it's like, yeah, you could have destroyed the... <laughs> The, uh, you know, the stro- you know, your droid. Yeah, her and Anakin's first child. Um, yeah. This is really a bad moment for her. This is like she tied an explosive around the neck of a dog and sent it into a foxhole sort of moment. Um, there's no reason to endanger C-3PO's life. Her entire mission is pointless to begin with, but her endangering C-3PO is double pointless. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, so after this happens, R2 reports that there's more, more uh, people coming. Um, they see that it's uh, Yoda, Luminara, and Barris. Yoda tells Padme that the temple at Ilum was almost completely destroyed and the location was a secret. You know, and he's wondering who, you know, 
how they could have found out who it is. And it's, it's like, um, it's Dooku. He was a Jedi. Obviously, he would know. And then R2, R2 basically confirms this, that Dooku told them where the temple is. And Yoda is upset by this, which is like, well, what did you expect? I digress. Yeah, so this this, this reveal has a great has a great like Yoda moment where he yells Dooku like like Kirk yelling <laughs> Khan, Khan. <laughs> exactly Khan! Um, there's actually a huge continuity error in this this chapter um, and oh, it makes really? no sense yeah so the the ship changes the ship model for mm-hmm. the Naboo cruiser in the previous episode it was the sleek sort of dart looking one and mm-hmm. in this episode it's sort of like the sr-71 looking one with like the wings and the engines on the wings no no shit yeah it's a pretty huge error um i noticed it and then i looked up continuity errors in this and it was the number one continuity error listed on a website for um this episode or for the, for this series and so yeah it's definitely two different models of nabubian ships Booby. Nubian. <laughs> Nubian. What's a Nubian? What's a Nubian? What's a Nubian? Um. So anyway, I just want to point that out. Huge continuity error. Right. Okay. All right. So the next chapter. Uh, this is um going back to Anakin and uh, Anakin and his uh, battle Ventress. Uh, Anakin's fighter comes out of a hyperspace and. Uh, follows the fighter down to the surface of a jungle moon. Uh, this jungle moon, it, it, it's pretty obvious um, by its, you know, giant uh, planet that it's um, that's orbiting. That this is uh, Yavin Four from the, you know, the original Star Wars: uh, A New Hope, because uh, you can also see the temple um, in the background. Anakin tells R four to stay with the ship, and he won't be gone long as he waits through the jungle to find the pilot. There's an explosion, and Anakin runs back to the ship where he finds the clone ship is landing next to his fighter. Anakin uh, kind of resigns himself to that Obi-Wan has sent the clones to help him, and he tells them to help protect the ship and set up a perimeter. Then he goes to sweep, um, to sweep the jungle. Eventually, you see the clones being picked off one by one by someone you know, probably using the Force. You don't actually see Ventress. Um, which this is kind of cool. It's very kind of like horror kind of movie sort of thing where it's just all of a sudden just everybody's just slowly dying. It also you it know, also and, escalates in the violence. Like the first few that disappear, they literally disappear, right? They're just like walking and then they're gone. And mm-hmm. then and then as you go, the what happens to them becomes more and more violent and more and more graphic. Right, and so they're getting like knocked up against trees, getting their helmets knocked off, um, getting like pulled into the water and drowned, and it it gets progressively more and more graphic. I really like the tone, the the pacing of this scene. So uh, Anakin eventually he runs back to the ship, and everyone is gone except for one trooper. Anakin tries to uh, find out if he's all right and find out what happens, and then with both the starfighter and the troop transport explodes and kind of like the the wreckage of r4's um dome you know comes comes to him and uh, you know he's he's definitely pissed i love i love that 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 shot though where the the dome of the droid sort of lands at his feet um because you can imagine how how trapped he feels Mm -hmm. because the entire his entire squad was just wiped out 
by yeah. this person, and now his ship is gone, and his droid yeah. is gone, so he can't contact anybody. Yeah, well, then it, and it also makes sense now, because, like, well, then now, oh, this is where he gets, this is why he gets R2, because his droid was destroyed. Chapter 18, uh, Ventress shows up, and she walks through the fire of the wreckage, and it was kind of did a cool effect where she kind of split the fire, walked through, and then just kind of the fire came back together behind her. Anakin says that she's gonna, he, she'll pay for what she's done, and she says that you know he's uh, her uh, key to ascension to the Sith. And so they duel, and Ventress is pretty powerful, and Anakin's having a hard time as she keeps on throwing trees and logs at him, and you know he's doing all sorts of uh, cool uh, log splitting maneuvers, but. Uh, she uh, she eventually uh, jumps up to the canopy and recovers her lightsabers. So she had dropped them, but you just see them getting sucked up. Anakin uh, uses the Force to uh, jump to the canopy to fight her. And she uses the Force to break the branch and he's standing on it and he falls. He grabs the fine and, sw- and swings, but she cuts it as well. And they chase each other from tree to tree. Um, it's actually pretty good. It shows that Anakin is... He's sort of outmatched, you know. At least it feels that way. The battle, the battle establishes that that he obviously can't just outright beat her. That he has to do something else. Mm-hmm. And they're going blow to blow, tree to tree. It's very, once again, frantic and very fast and smash cutting. And they're fighting and fighting and fighting. And there doesn't appear to be a lot of progress being made on either side. So uh, eventually they slash at each other a few times, neither of them landing a, a real blow. Ventress uh, eventually pushes Anakin with the force and he falls to the ground near the, uh, is it Masasi? Masase, yeah. Masase uh, Temple. They are featured in, um, Dr. in some uh, Dr. Afro comics, yeah. So uh, Ventress throws some bricks and stones at Anakin and until he was torn up and injured. Now this is actually really cool that he like walks into the temple and she's just standing there and then she just like lifts bricks that were like they were like pavers and she just lifts them up and whips them at him. Yeah, I love the I love this scene. And then eventually it starts to rain as they're kinda of staring each other down, kinda of Western style. I also and I also love that because we've sent, we spent a lot of time on Yavin, or at least some time on Yavin in a New Hope and we never see it rain. But it is sort of like a rainforest. Right. And it's actually, since it's in Costa Rica, it is a rainforest, right? Um, that's where they filmed the Yavin scenes. Um, so I really love that this detail that it starts pouring. Mm-hmm. Uh, on to chapter 19. So the rain uh, like comes really heavy. And um, the lightsaber is kind of um, evaporating the drops as they touch it. So this is a really cool sound effect. Um, I, I really appreciated the, uh, the attention to detail. And uh, Anakin uh, eventually... He jumps to engage her. Now, this is something that I noticed that she had the high ground, and he was able to jump up and over her. I think. Oh, damn, son. I think he thought that he could do the same trick to Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan's like, nope. It's over, Anakin! I have the high ground! Good call. Yeah. You know, this is whether that was intentional or not, it's, it weirdly fits. Well, that. if we think about the timing, it probably wasn't, but it probably wasn't intentional because this is still a year out from the movie being released. But I think this is wonderful foreshadowing um, that about it. Even if it's not intentional, it still it still can be meaningful. Mm-hmm. You know, he thought that he could, uh, you know, pull the same trick, and 
but he couldn't. So anyways, he, you know, he jumps up and, you know, they engage. He pushes her with a force into the temple and she lunges at him and he blocks and they chew, jump and fly around the temple. She uses the force to throw columns at Anakin and Anakin uses the force to knock her around. You know, they're chasing each other up a staircase to the top of the temple or at least the top of part of the temple. It's kind of a, a wreck. You know, Ventress knocks Anakin's lightsaber away. He grabs her arm with his robotic arm and, and crushes her wrist until she drops her lightsaber. Now, this is that was a pretty cool and because you can see where she's like she's having like an oh shit moment. It's almost like a domestic abuse sort of situation where she's she's just like he's just now just overpowering with just pure strength, pure brute strength, and she's just like uh oh. Yeah, this whole this whole sequence coming up starting right about now where he grabs her wrist. Is just fucking terrifying, and mm-hmm. I think I think it's probably as good as anything else we get as far as his turn to the dark side. Yeah. So she drops her lightsaber, and he uses the force to grab it and goes on the attack. And now he's pushing her back and, and leaps towards her, and he's hacking at her very much the way like Luke, like uh, just was just hacking at Vader, not no real style or anything like that. And Return of the Jedi, just full full on dark side, just just constantly just smashing you know while they're doing this there's just uh there's images of uh obi-wan and yoda that are flashing in front of anakin eventually ventress falls from the top of the temple and uh into a ravine anakin hold, uh holding a lightsaber he screams before he tosses the uh, uh lightsaber into the ravine this is perfect uh if you want to show him he was in this battle where he couldn't win and they were just sort of trading blows, and he reaches he reaches his breaking point, taps into the dark side, gets the extra strength he needs to defeat her, kills her, screams like primal screaming, and then throws the lightsaber into the pit. Mm-hmm. It is very well done, and I love those little like flashes of Yoda and Obi Wan, like like they're they're like the pieces in his mind that are trying to stop him from going that far and and they're just not they're just not there to stop him yeah it's fucking perfect oh yeah definitely I'm, it was uh it was really awesome so uh now we're on to uh chapter 20 which is the um the last one that we'll be doing and this one's just a little bit longer so back on uh Munalist, there's a uh jedi master named uh Vulif Mon well, uh, well he, done he's he's a werewolf uh well he looks like kind of like a werewolf and he you know like if you listen sound his name sounds kind of like werewolf moon yeah uh so that's that's cool so real quick let's just pause here but uh, you can probably see the note i put in there um so they had a contest the cartoon network had a contest to make three new jedi um, and let the fans pick um, from the species which Jedi they would get. And this is one of the winners. And so the werewolf is obviously based on the original cantina scene, where there was a werewolf in the cantina um, mm-hmm. that's been edited out in future versions. And so the remastered edition, the werewolf is gone. But in the original version, he was there. And so this was the werewolf Jedi that was voted on by the fans. And the other two show up in um, later chapters, so we'll point those out when they get there. But um, this is the the fan made Jedi, Volvif Mon, right? 
I think. Um, anyway, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. No, no, no. It's it's okay. I can't believe they got rid of that um, the werewolf in uh, the cantina or the wolf man or whatever. He got, but he got guess... bigger though, so. <laughs> of course he did. Uh, he, he was on scene for more than you know one millisecond. He deserves a he deserves his own uh, figurine. Okay, so uh, so the uh, werewolf Jedi Master. Um, Volv- man, Volv- I can't laugh. I guess I'm <laughs> laughing now. Volvif Mon is leading a group of clone troopers against the remaining uh, pockets of droid resistance on the planet. And he's, he's cutting through the droids as more clone troopers show up to help out. The clones are winning the battle when all the, dro- mm, when all the droids turn off and Obi-Wan tells, them that the blank- Obi-Wan tells them that the banking clan has surrendered. The clone commander... Uh, who Obi-Wan refers to as Captain, was previously called Commander, and before that was called Sergeant. So, you know, he got a, he got a field commission to a high rank and then got stripped down a rank. He was, he was, one, he was, caught, burning, he was caught burning a village. <laughs> okay, yeah, so he got some non-judicial punishment just by getting, uh, you know, demoted to a Captain. So uh, they say that there's a that the ship that Anakin was uh, chasing is returning and they're prepared to shoot it down. Obi Wan tells them to delay that Anakin is piloting the ship, probably sensing that uh, Anakin, you know, Anakin through the Force. And Anakin comes out and says that Obi Wan was right; it was just a trap by the Sith, and uh, not to worry that much that he uh, defeated the uh, assassin and has returned victorious. Obi-Wan says the battle should have never been fought, and the Sith's interest in Anakin is disturbing to him, which is, seems like the first time anybody says anything about this. Yeah. You know, until it's too late. Yeah, it's it's the Phantom Menace problem. They don't know who their actual enemy is, and they know that, like this, like this battle with the Sith was a setup. They wanted to fight Anakin for some reason, and they, Obi-Wan is sort of piecing it together that they're a pawn in someone else's game right now. Um, it's a great moment. I love it. Yeah. And just the whole fact that you let Anakin hang out with a polit- like a politician, you know, like an older man. <laughs> it's just... He was just trying to make Coruscant great again. <laughs> but it's just like, I would never let my, you know, like uh, children hang out with the, the governor or, you know, the president. Yeah, you know, no matter who they are, considering who your governor is, um, yeah, I wouldn't let, let your, I wouldn't recommend your kids hang out with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's no good. So Obi Wan is, you know, scolding him when they get a distress call from a Jedi, Master Barrick on Hypori. Barrick says that they're being overrun and a new droid general who's unstoppable is hunting them down, and then the transmission cuts out. So they switch to Hypori. And a huge number of super battle droids have surrounded a crashed Jedi cruiser and are blasting it to smithereens. The army stops, and the few Jedi meet up at the cruiser. There are seven Jedi in the cruisers. So there's uh, Kiati Mundi, a.k.a. the Conehead, uh, Shakti, Krunk. Yeah, I guess so. I don't, I've never heard it said out loud. <laughs> Krunk? Krunk? Maybe? Krunk. No, it's K-R-R. No, Kruk. Yeah. Kruk. 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 I think we've covered it. <laughs> okay, so Kruk, Isla Securia, uh, Tarsier, and Shaji, who's a uh, Padawan who looks remarkably a lot like Shaggy. Yeah, we missed. We really missed out on um, Shaji and Volvif Mon teaming up 
or a Shaggy and Scooby crossover. <laughs> <laughs> he looks so much so like Shaggy. <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, the so the Jedi discuss their situation that they are outnumbered and the new general has had flawless tactics. General Grievous uh, offers the Jedi a warrior's death and he tells them there's no escape. Not sure what a warrior's death is, but I assume it's some sort of like seppuku sort of thing where he'll just kill them nicely versus making them suffer and or giving them a horrible death. I assumed it was like a Klingon thing where you get to die in battle. He's basically saying. Right. Where he's basically saying, like, I'm not going to make you surrender and humiliate yourselves. I'm going to let you die on your feet. Um, I'm coming to kill you now. Um, but this scene, he introduces himself as Grievous. And so as, mm-hmm. far as, as far as I know, as far as anyone knows, like, no one knew his name before this moment. So uh, Mundy tries to keep the, uh, the Jedi calm, and Grievous is coming alone. There's, as Everybody's, like, visibly sweating, and Mundy's trying to keep the Jedi calm, and Grievous is coming in alone. Now the Jedi prepare, Shaji is too nervous and panics, and then he runs out and Grievous just crushes him, just lands right on top of him. So that's the end of, uh, oh my god, Shaji Shaggy. Oh man, how did I not see that? You did it. <laughs> I broke the code again. <laughs> oh, it is Shaggy. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well done. Well done, Tartavosky. You got me again. <laughs> Damn it! I've been making jokes okay, about so it. He looks so much like Shaggy, but I didn't put it put it together because there's too many A's. Damn it! <laughs> Fucking brilliant. So, okay. So, Grievous crushes him. <laughs> Monday and the uh, Jedi prepare... Or, uh, but uh, Grievous is uh, above them. Grievous falls into the group of Jedi swinging lightsabers, and he's able. Uh, they try to use the the force on him, but he is just way too fast. He kills K- uh, Kukurok by cutting him in half with one of his lightsabers. Uh, Shakti throws some uh, debris at Grievous in response. Grievous kills Tarsier next. Is is, is Tarsier the one that he just grabs by, with his foot and just slams? Yeah, Tarsier. Uh, Tarsier is like the other conehead with like a. Like a wrap around his head, mm-hmm. and Grievous like grabs him with his foot and smashes him into the ground. Yeah, uh, it's, it's that's a pretty brutal death. Yeah, Grievous is not messing around in this fight. Um, yeah, Tar's death is painful to watch. So is Shaggy's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> zoinks. <laughs> he should have eaten some Scooby snacks um, beforehand. So um, yeah, so he kills uh, Tarsier and he throws. Uh, Isla Sakura and uh, Tar's body across the room. Money calls his saber to him, but Grievous grabs it, so Money gets one from Grievous's cloak. Grievous goes after Money, and the show cuts to Yoda sensing what is happening. Now, I have to say, this is a pretty good battle. Like he's like at one point, he's like on one leg, um, and he has like a lightsaber in each appendage, including his leg. And so this, I, I just love the fact that you know that they're just all like sweating up a storm, and they, you can hear him coming. But you don't. They don't know where he is. Yeah. And so, finally, it's good. Yeah, and then finally, you know, Shaggy breaks and tries to make a run for it, and then he gets, you know, he gets killed. Yeah. The whole the whole Grievous battle. It's a it's a great. So it probably goes without saying. We need to say it. This is Grievous's first appearance. Um, and Grievous obviously is a huge villain both in Episode Three and in the Clone Wars series. But this is the first time we see him on camera. 
And the scene that you pointed out where he's holding a lightsaber in three out of four of his appendages um, and sort of standing on one foot, that's meaningful because later he gets his four arms and he doesn't seem to have that ability right now um, because his arms never separate here. Um, Also, there's some continuity issues with the number of fingers he has, but I don't care that much about that stuff. Um, It's But it's a very gruesome battle. It's... It's crazy just how well he handles all the Jedi. And at the end of this scene, they take his mask off, and he's the old amusement park owner. Might have gotten away with it, too. If it wasn't for these blasted kids and their dog. <laughs> I'm like, I don't remember that. And they, oh, yeah, all right, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, good, it's a good thing that Kiss Kiss and the uh, Harlem Globetrotters happen to be around to uh, help them. <laughs> Laurel and Hardy were on a comedy tour. <laughs> no, overall though, like, like this brings us to the end of season two, and the cliffhanger here is, is that Mundy? I think he kills everybody, but Mundy, uh, Ayla, and Shock T. Although Shock T ends up like, I think I left that out of the summary, but she is about to be hit with the lightsaber, and she uses the force to push off of him, and she goes flying into a wall. So I don't think she's dead, but she's definitely no. hurt. No, she's not because she shows up in the next episode. Um, at least I'm pretty sure. And she's in a uh, uh, she's in a deleted scene in um, from episode three. So that is true. She gets killed by Grievous in episode three. Um, okay. um, although that's deleted, so it's not the canonicity of that is questionable. Um, <laughs> but the canonicity of this whole thing is yeah nothing. Um, so we should probably do our thing. Let's, let's before we get into too much stuff. There's only a couple things I want to talk about. I want to hear um, what you think about um, season two. Did you like it? Oh, oh yeah, it's it's great. Uh, there's not there's not a whole lot of filler. I mean, they just these it's just it's just all business. Like the only thing that was kind of booth was the whole Padme thing, and but and that was just a small amount. And you know, um, just, there's just a you know a lot to a lot to deal with and a lot to unpack. You know. Like Anakin, you know, using the dark side to beat Ventress. You know, just the, you know, the, the stalking aspect of like Grievous, and then end of Ventress, and just, uh, you know, like showing like Ilum, which is cool. You know, because that, you know, Ilum is seen again in uh, the uh, the Clone Wars um, uh, cartoon like later, and it's also um, shown in uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, and and spoiler alert for those that don't know. That Starkiller base from The Force Awakens is actually Ilum. Yeah. That the the Empire has strip mined it, getting all the Kyber crystals from it. And that you know that um, you know is, is essentially like hollow and destroyed. And that's how the First Order you know are able to uh, to build such a huge um, uh, weapon inside of it because it's already pretty much been it's been mined you know for over. Uh, 25 years or so you know however long the empire was actually in you know in power yeah so i'm i'm in agreement with you on all of this i think for a follow-up to last season the first 10 chapters it is um even better in content and settings we get a little bit on mutilinst we get to go to yavin 4 we get to go to dantooine we get to go to ilum um, these are great settings, and it's showing different kinds of planets. 
um, different challenges on those planets. Obviously, Ilum gets called back a ton, like you said. Yavin 4, um, it's great to go there outside of where we've seen it. It kept a lot of the things that the first season had, like the the huge battles and the franticness of war and and all of the crazy action. But it, in, a, in weird ways, it feels more mature. And then that last episode, um, Chapter 20, it was a double episode. You said it was longer. Um, and then the next five chapters, this is sort of where, where we messed up with timing, they're all longer. And so the next five episodes are another hour of uh, video. Um, so when they get to the third season, they're like, oh, let's just go ahead and make episodes um, to finish it out. And I'm not complaining, it's just it's going to make recording reviews of them challenging uh, mm-hmm. within our time time limit. Um, so overall, I, I'm in complete agreement. I think it's really ambitious, it's really really delivers and gives us so much great Star Wars that just keeps drawing, it gets drawn into the future more, even if this isn't canon, almost everything in this was eventually given a home in canon one way or another. And so I love it all. Right, me too. So, um, I guess, do we want to just uh, get to, since this is rather longer recording, want to get to our uh, our uh, ratings? I do want to point out one quick thing. It won't take long. Okay. Um, in in some of the C-3PO stuff, both in the last episode and this episode, we're going to get to a very weird C-3PO moment coming up. Um, but in the last couple episodes, um, C-3PO has sort of a style to him and a body movement and Tartavosky said that he designed C-3PO after the C-3PO that appeared in droids I thought he I thought it looked eerily like the C-3PO from droids he said he wanted he wanted to pay respects and salute Nelvana for the early cartoon work um, and designed C-3PO after those design elements in in the, in the Nelvana art style and i think it was very obvious today on ilum that it was c3po from droids there like it's definitely his movement type and and everything so just wanted to call that out real quick that this is reaching into the past um and honoring those early efforts at at a animation for star wars Mm -hmm. um i don't have anything else that i wanted to point out today um hopefully we can like I said, if we if we have reason to in the future, we can revisit episodes of this. Um, I think this is some top-notch Star Wars, and we can talk about every episode forever, I'm sure. Um, but we should probably just keep moving in the interest of time. So let's do our, um, our review. How we review uh, episodes is we base it on a character. So a really great episode would be something like a... Uh, Han, Chewie, Luke, Leia, Darth Vader, you know, something from the original trilogy. And then a really, you know, disappointing episode would be something like, I don't know, a... Uh, Shaggy. Shaggy. <laughs> so, Matt, what is your... <laughs> what, is, what is your ranking for this? Yeah, I want to give out a really high ranking. Um, last week I gave it, a, like, a Mace Windu. Um, for the first season, and so I want to give it something sort of at that level, um, which is tough to do because Mace is a huge, huge character. Um, so I think I'm going to give it 
I think I'm gonna give it like a cartoon Yoda, like the Yoda from this series. Um, I think I really love this iteration of Yoda, and once again, I I don't think this had to be artistic to be successful um, in its goal to sell toys or to promote um, Revenge of the Sith. It is though, mm-hmm. and it holds up in like a Star Wars way and an artistic way. It is incredibly unique as a piece of Star Wars art, and I, I just get so excited watching it today like i i was like i'll watch it one more time and then i watched it one more time and then i watched it another time after that and both times i watched it today i saw things i didn't notice before or just like tiny little details of stuff happening because once again it's just so frantic it's so busy that there's easter eggs and things in there you just don't catch you just can't catch them all and i just wish i had more time to spend with it um so i'll, I'll give it cartoon yoda on his kai buck <laughs> okay well i was just gonna i was gonna give it a a, a, a shaz g just because i just love the, <laughs> the name of the character and the look of him he's he's a shaggy but we've established that he would be uh he, he, he that would mean it's not a good one so I really think I really would have appreciated if, if you saw like Grievous like scraping him off of his foot, you know, like he stepped in dog, you know. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, oh, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, that's all right. Um, I'll give this one a Ventress because the, the whole Ventress thing was very the whole that whole arc was just uh, great, and and Ventress is a very interesting character, you know, you know, her, you know. She's introduced as being on the dark side and eventually, you know, finding her way like, to the light. Um, so, yeah. So, Ventress for me. I love that pick. You know, Ventress is one of my favorite non-movie characters. I think I think Ventress is probably in my top. If you took everybody that was in a movie out, um, she would probably be in my top ten for characters yeah. that didn't appear in a movie. Her arc is wonderful. Yeah, I, and that would be totally for... Um, seeing her in some sort of live action something or other even if it's just like a flashback absolutely absolutely right i do i do want to uh, ask ask you something really quick because i was trying to figure this out today we never hear her called ventress in this series is that correct uh right she's just the disciple yeah so she's the disciple okay she gets named later then yeah um yeah because this is where she's introduced right as far as I as far as I can tell, this is her first appearance. I it's hard. It's her Wikipedia entry is very difficult to understand. Um, so she appeared in a comic around the same time as this was was um, running. But uh, just some real quick Ventress trivia. So Ventress was actually the original design of Count Dooku because um, they weren't sure what Count Dooku was going to be, um, and so her. The original design was sort of this version of Ventress, sort of like a black and white, um, evil, um, dark side woman, like a witch. Yeah, that would have been that would have been cool. Yeah, and then they got um, the actor for Dooku, and they're like, "Oh no, fuck this! We'll just like he can just be on screen." Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's Dooku, and so they just held the Ventress design back, like they do for. You know that concept art stuff, and so if you if you read about um, 
you read the design book for Attack of the Clones, there's a ton of drawings of interest in it because they really were going in that direction um, with with Dooku. And then, what's the name of the actor who plays Christopher Lee? Yeah. So when they get Christopher Lee, they're like, oh yeah, the the definition of like a movie villain will just we'll just use Christopher Lee and not even put makeup on him. Um, mm-hmm. And then that became Dooku. But th- thankfully they saved her design and put her in this as an introduction, co- comic books, and then in Clone Wars as well. A little bit refined in the other Clone Wars, refined from this design. But um, yeah, she was the original Dooku. So that's your little piece of interest trivia today. But again, one of my top ten characters. All right, so thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. You know, be sure to uh, tell a friend, you know, that there's two guys who like to talk about Star Wars cartoons, you know. And if you didn't think we did a very good job, you know, you know, tell somebody uh, you don't like because screw them. So uh, we'll be back next week with the third episode of the 2003 Tarvaski Clone Wars. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop at NoochBaderProductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Da 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 da